0: Thank you. Good morning, everyone. And he has risen. He is risen indeed. What a wonderful day to remember about Lord Jesus' Lord Jesus's death and resurrection. And welcome, everyone. It's great to see you all. I'm sure God has a blessing, a special blessing for all of us here today. We're celebrating Jesus' resurrection, as we've heard. And when you hear this, you know, Jesus' resurrection, I remember... When I was not a Christian, this was something like a scientific movie, you know, something like a a made-up story. So I didn't believe before I became a Christian, and I wanted to know for sure: Is there any proof that this really happened? And I remember I was studying law back then, and like for any case, you know, in the court, you need proper evidence, you need proper research, and I tried to look at the scripture and look at the evidences and see if it's really true, if I can really believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Did Jesus rose from the dead? Short answer, yes. Long answer, of course he did. That was just like a little joke. So this is something I needed to understand myself before I came to faith. And the question this morning is for all of us, what is the greatest proof for you that Jesus indeed was raised from the dead? Is it possible to know for sure? Is it possible to be convinced? Because this is actually the most important thing for Christianity. As Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14, he says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. My preaching today will be useless. Our faith all over the world would be useless if Christ has not been raised from the dead. So it's the most important element of Christianity, of our faith. And this morning, my plan is to look at one, piece, one of the pieces of evidence that for me is the greatest. You may have... Some other opinions and i'm happy to have a chat at the end to share your thoughts but this morning i'm going to focus on one particular piece of evidence that for me made the difference and it made me to turn the back to my way of living and come to the lord jesus and follow him we know there were different accusations and false theories about you know jesus's body that the disciples stole the body Uh, that Jesus didn't really die on that cross, that the apostles may have had a kind of a hallucination, they kind of seen a ghost of some sort. So we know all those theories that are actually false, and we can have another session, and if you have any questions, I'm more than happy to explore some of those. But the most logical and sensible explanation for what happened after Jesus' death is that he was raised from the dead indeed. And let's think for a moment of those times. So there was that dark day when Jesus was crucified on that cross. A dark day in a history when Jesus, the Lamb of God, the one in whom people like even Pilate, the governor, couldn't find any guilt, and yet he was crucified on that cross. It was that that dark night where, you know, the one without sin was crucified and the devil thought it was over. It was that day when the religious Jewish leaders thought they got rid of the competition. Everything is sorted now. It's calm. It's peace in the city. It was that dark day when the Pilate and the Romans thought, yes, we killed Jesus. We managed to avoid an insurrection or a revolution, It's all peace and quiet. It was that day, dark day, when the apostles, the disciples thought it's all over. They beloved Jesus is gone. Because we all know when death comes, everything is lost. So it was that dark day when people thought everything is lost. But we learn from the story that God indeed has the last word in this world. And sometimes in our lives, isn't it, we see that sometimes this. It seems like the darkness takes, uh, you know, takes and conquers our lives. The evil one seems to win across the globe. We see wars, we see violence. It seems like sometimes these um, you know, corrupted political systems are winning. But we learn from this story that actually God is always in control. God has the last word. So, why is the death and the resurrection of Jesus so important? What is at stake here? We need to understand this. Because only God knew that that was just the beginning. Jesus' death and resurrection was just the beginning of something God was planning since he created the world. Since he created us as humans. Jesus stayed on that cross because he came to fulfill God's plan for us. And it so nicely says in here in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses twenty twenty one says about jesus he was chosen before the creation of the world do we hear these words he was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your state for your sake not just because god was you know bored in heaven and went in some sort of a show through him you believe in god who raised him from the dead and glorified him and so your faith and hope are in God. So here it says before the creation of the world of the world Jesus was chosen. And after that dark night, that day and night that we heard, Jesus was put in the tomb. But there was a morning. There was a morning when everything changed from tears to joy, from desperation to new life, from death To life again. The morning that Jesus was resurrected. That changed the history forever. And changed my life. And changed your lives as well. The heavens could finally see the evil in the face. Because here on earth. The evil one wanted to kill. And wants to kill and destroy everything and everyone. That worship and follows God. So the universe could finally see God's Grace and love for us. The righteousness of God also was demonstrated because the universe knew that God said from the beginning when Adam and Eve fell and, uh, from the grace of God and they choose evil in their life. We know God said, the day you're going to listen to the evil one, you will die. You will die spiritually. You will die physically. And the universe wanted to see how this holy, holy, holy God can reconcile his righteousness, his justice with his love for his creation, for us, for his children. And that's what happened on the cross. Finally, someone had to pay for, someone without sin, someone without guilt was able to pay for all of us who are guilty. And in this way, God's righteousness and his justice could be finally reconciled with his love for each and every one of us. His holy nature was reconciled with his loving nature. And this is so well described in Romans chapter 5, verse 18. It says in here, Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Jesus was the second Adam. He came to rescue us. He came to pay the debt that none of us could pay. And this is so well described here. In Romans chapter 1, verse 7, again, speaking about God's righteousness, it says, For in the gospel... In Jesus' resurrection, in other words, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Believing in this Jesus, in his resurrection, God clothes us in his righteousness. And that's why in his love we can spend eternity We've got the Father forever. So this is the meaning, the importance of the resurrection. It's God's righteousness, his love, and our salvation, all in one there on the cross and Jesus' resurrection. So going back to the greatest proof for me that made me, made me change my mind is the fact that the disciples, the ones who followed Jesus, the change in their life For me, after Jesus' resurrection, is the greatest proof that he really raised from the dead. Something so radical must have happened that the disciples and the first Christians changed their lives so radically. In those times, let's remember, the Jewish people were so religious. They had the Torah. They had their rituals. They had their synagogues programs. They had the Sabbath. They have so many embedded rituals. That was their life. That was their life for centuries. So something so radical must have happened that actually those many Jewish people who came out like the disciples and others and proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus, that's amazing, unheard of in those times. So let's bear that in mind when we think of these events. Something must have happened Amazing, because to proclaim Jesus' resurrection was such a dramatic change. Even with the price of losing their lives, being expelled from the synagogues, rejected by their families, losing everything they had. Why would you do that? Why would you do that unless something dramatic happened? And also, we need to remember and to understand that these events... We're not happening somewhere hidden in a cave or on a mountain somewhere in a cult, you know, just us, just the chosen ones. No, all happened in plain sight. And this is the difference between Christianity and other religions. You know, when someone had a revelation somewhere on their own, this is the main difference. It all happened in one of the most important cities of the world at that time, Jerusalem in the middle of jerusalem in the middle of the, the chosen people it was all in plain plain sight the romans saw it and knew the jewish religious leaders saw it and knew the disciples saw it and knew everyone saw it anew. and plus more more so there were people all over the world coming to jerusalem at that time because they were celebrating the passover as we read in the scripture about simon of cyrene the one who took and carried Jesus' cross. He was there. He, he witnessed that. And even his life was changed. The tradition says he was also the father of the disciples Rufus and Alexander. So people saw in plain sight what happened. It wasn't hidden. It was for everyone to see. And the text, the most important text about resurrection and the events that happened is in 1 Corinthians chapter. 15 verses 3-8. Let's listen carefully what Paul is um, saying here. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelfth, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. He was talking to people that they were still living. They could come and say, Who are you talking about, Paul? We saw you lying. People were still living that saw so Jesus resurrected, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James. James is Jesus' brother, by the way. Then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as the one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God. This is Paul's testimony. Jesus showed himself to more than 500 people, most of whom were still living. So disciples claim they saw Jesus resurrected more than 10 separate occasions. They testified, they touched him, they put their hands in his wounds. So something really must have happened. Jesus was raised from the dead. Let's look closely for a while at the disciples' life before and after the resurrection. So after Jesus' death on the cross, the disciples were afraid and scared to death. If we read in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 20, it says in there, on the evening of that first day of the week, so after Jesus' death, when the disciples were together with doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, So the disciples were all together, doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders that they will do the same to them as they did to Jesus. Can we imagine that scene? What must have been their conversation? Probably they would say, how could we have been so stupid? How did we believe that Jesus was the Messiah? Look now, he's dead. It's all lost. Imagine the embarrassment some of them may have felt. You know, we wasted our time for three years following this man. Thinking he is the Messiah. What are we gonna to say to our children? What are we gonna to say to our families? What have we missed? How can we not see that he's gone now? It's all over. So the question then is: what made they, what made them change so quickly from that state of fear, from that being being afraid for their lives? immediately, you know, the next couple of days, something happened that they were in the streets in the middle of Jerusalem where people, remember, got Jesus to be crucified and beaten and so on. You we were in the middle of the same people proclaiming that they saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. They didn't have time to come together with this kind of theory. And it's one, you know, maybe us here in the in church, like six leaders or eight now, at the moment yeah we can come together and plot something and you know decide let's let's say this lie they didn't have time for that the eleventh of them plus the others who testified immediately uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection and you know sometimes in our lives we can feel disappointed we can feel disappointed by other people by even maybe other Christians by the closed ones we can feel like well, you know, we spend so much time with our faith and we're still disappointed. But if we always look at Jesus, if we always remember his resurrection, if we always remember he's alive in our lives, he can change us the same way he changed the disciples. Because we read in Acts chapter 4, verses 1-2, He says here, the priests and the captain of the temple, the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees just bear in mind these are the people who got jesus judged him beat him and got him crucified the same people and they came up to peter and john who were just proclaiming out loud in the middle of no fear no scare yeah they came to peter and john while they were speaking to the people They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So the question is, what has happened with these people? Something extraordinary. Jesus was raised raised of the dead. Because if you think of it, they stopped mourning. They stopped hiding. They began fearlessly proclaiming that they've seen Jesus alive. These 11 former scared-of-death people are now in the middle of the persecutors proclaiming out loud that Jesus was resurrected, willing to suffer humiliation, willing to suffer torture and death. If Jesus was not resurrected, how come their life changed so drastically? For money, we know for sure no. For fame, definitely not in that time. For political advantages? No, for sure no. They lost their families, they lost their properties, they were persecuted, tortured, and killed for their faith. And this was not some sort of like mass suicide as we know in history happened with some cults somewhere in the world. This was not something like, uh, you know, people just being fanatics about their religion and killing themselves and killing others. No one wanted to die. They didn't want to die. They wanted to live and proclaim Jesus. You see the difference here? They wanted to proclaim Jesus. All they had to do, some of them, is just to say, yeah, 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 okay, I said a lie. I didn't see Jesus resurrected. And they will, they will be free to live. But they couldn't say that because they saw him. So they risked their lives and they lost their life for the truth. So this is the main difference between Christianity and other religions. The first disciples, people around the world today, are willing to die for their faith. Not because they want to die, but because others cannot hear, cannot suffer the truth that they are saying. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And let's re- recap very quickly the tradition says about all the disciples, apart from John, they lost their lives. So very quickly, Peter and Paul both were martyred in Rome, about 66 after Christ during the persecution under Emperor Nero. Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down because he said he's not worthy to die the same death as Jesus. Andrew, brother of Peter, had been crucified. Thomas, he died pierced through with spears of four soldiers. Philip, tradition says, a proconsul had him arrested and cruelly put to death. Matthew, some writings say he was stabbed to death in Ethiopia. Bartholomew, skinned alive and crucified. James, brother of John, he was beheaded and stabbed to death. James, son of Alpheus, he was thrown from a pinnacle in the temple of Jerusalem. Simon the Zealot, as the story goes, he was killed after refusing to sacrifice to son God. Jude, Thaddeus, Thaddeus was beaten with a club then crucified. Matthias, the one who replaced Judas, also sent us to death as Jerusalem. John is the only one who tradition says he died of natural death. Not to mention the thousands of other Christians who were uh, killed, as we know, in the Romans shows uh, and uh, martyred in Rome. But despite this, despite this, the faith, the new way, as it was called in in the Acts, gained terrain through the blood of the martyrs and overcome the Jewish tradition and conquered the Roman Empire in just maybe hundred of years. Something radical must have happened. Jesus was raised, raised from the dead. This for me, my friends, was the point in my life when I said there is no way this can be true. There is no way I can carry on with my life as I did. So the question this morning is so what? What do we have to do now? And every person has to make a decision, as I did 23 years ago when I raised my hand and I got baptized, saying, yes, I give my life to Jesus. And the majority of you know that more recently we had to make another big decision and give up my successful career and uh, try and become a minister in this church. And it's not because of the man's, although it's a nice building, a nice uh, house to live in. We have our own house, we mortgage, and we have a shower as well, but let, let's not go there. It's not for the job because, you know, we have a, a great job, a great career. But it's for this reason that Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. And we want to testify about this the rest of the days of our lives. And this is the decision we have to make. You know, Pilate's last question, after he judged Jesus, he asked the crowd, what shall I do with Jesus? And it's the same question for each and every one of us today. You know, in life, bad news are coming without inviting them. Last week on Wednesday, I went to visit my good friend Vicencio in hospital in London. Thank you for your prayers. You prayed for him. He's with cancer. And he's not doing well. He's not doing well. I prayed for him and I entrusted him in, in God's hands, in Jesus' Um, love and care and I spoke after with his family and they're getting ready for the worst and you know this world we got it wrong we got it wrong it's a broken world I realized it's even so expensive to die you know because we looked at did some research and it's so expensive to even die in this world so we got it all wrong it's a broken world but you know what we changed you he's a Christian he believes in Lord Jesus he testified during his life, if I leave, I live for the Lord. If I die, I die for the Lord. So there is hope. He has hope that one day he will be with Jesus again and all the suffering will be gone. Same week, last week on Thursday, after the hospital, after I was so affected by my friend, we had a lovely wedding here. This is life. This is life. And God spoke to my heart and said, look, as this lovely wedding between Adams and Bex, and we pray for them that God will bless their lives together forever and ever. This is an example that after this life of suffering, friends, there will be the biggest wedding in the universe. When the bride, all those who follow Jesus, who believed in Jesus, the bride will meet their groom, Jesus, in heaven, on the greatest wedding of all. And just like in marriage, when you make those vows forever, Jesus will be with us forever and ever to the end of times. Jesus, you know, with Jesus, because life can go upwards and downwards, but with Jesus, we can always go upwards. So what shall we do? And I'm asking this morning on Easter Sunday, do you have faith in Jesus Christ that you will be with him forever and ever? Because if Jesus rose from the dead, he is the most important person in the universe. If Jesus was raised from the dead, this is the most important event in, in the universe. And you know, if we know that, we're not going to let small things in our lives to disturb us from there. You know what I mean. You know, days are going by and one by another. You know, sometimes you get so distracted, so affected by so many minor things. You spill coffee on a tie in your way to work, and your day is ruined. You have an argument with with your wife for nothing. You all those you know you know those moments. You try to clean the house with the kids in house, and it's like shoveling the snow while it's still snowing. You know, we all have those moments. But when you know the biggest truth of all—that Jesus was resurrected from the dead—everything else becomes secondary. Everything else becomes secondary. And you know the truth that. The truth is that Jesus rose from the dead. And it says in the scripture in Matthew thirteen forty four, The kingdom of heavens, Jesus, is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. That treasure is Jesus. So the question for us this morning, are we ready? To give up the things that are keeping us away from Jesus. And grab him. And hold him. And take Jesus in exchange of your anxiety. Take Jesus in exchange of your fears. Take Jesus in exchange of your insecurities. And I'll promise you. You will never regret it. Because he is the Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. So what I'm going to do. I'm going to wait for you at that table there. If you want to. Make that decision in your life. Please come forward. We're just going to pray for you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to say uh, weird stuff. We're just going to ask Jesus to come in your life. And we're going to just pray for the Father to bless your life. Or even if you want to rededicate your life. Or if you just want to thank him. Let's pray together this morning. I'll wait for you at that table after the service or during the service. Don't leave this place with a, with a hole in your heart. Let Jesus Fill that hole. Because he is risen indeed. Amen.